The Tablet Show, Episode 90, with guest Gil Clearin. Recorded live Friday, June 14th, 2013. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Gil Clearin about his experiences building a Windows tablet media application. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Hey, Richard. Hey, Carl. How are you? I'm all right. We're at uh, the Norwegian Developers Conference doing The Tablet Show. Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell, and this is uh, the last day of the conference. We're all getting that little mellow of, uh, okay, that's enough nights in a row of drinking, and uh, all the sessions just frying your brains. It was really only one night of serious drinking. Uh, dang, don't break our reputations here, man. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, okay, we were drunk completely the whole time. That's right. Well, look, we may not have gotten terribly drunk last night, but that was a lovely bottle of Chateau Note de Pop. Yes, it was. It was a nice dinner with a nice wine. So, anyway... Better no framework. What do you got, buddy? Build is right around the corner. Yes, it is. And as such, everybody's speculating as to what the new stuff is going to be. Um, some things we know about Windows 8.1 and some Microsoft has uh, nastily kept to itself. Where they're going to, they're they're not sharing. They have some surprises, I guess, what I'm saying. But we do know a few things about Windows 8.1 now. And so I'd like to point you to tinyurl.com slash win81sofar. Win81sofar. This is a PC Magazine article called Windows 8.1, What We Know So Far. And I'm just going to summarize, okay? Start button, sort of. Yeah, sort of. Sort of. In other words, uh, it's a start button, but it takes you to the start screen. It doesn't give you the start button that Windows 7 has. If you want that, there are some third-party options for that. Um, boot to desktop, which is a nice little feature. Yeah, my main dev machine will be configured for that, for sure. Yeah, so, you know, if you're, not, if you're at your desk and you don't want to see that start screen all the time, good news for you. New window sizes, and you can run up to four apps side-by-side. Yeah, which is cool. That's yeah, we don't quite know exactly how that's going to work, but uh, we have at least some new options there. A lock screen slideshow, much like the iPad. So this is good. When the, when the screen is locked, you can show photos and a slideshow kind of thing. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Logical advancements. Okay. Uh, new search, new app store. No, I'm not sure about the details of the new app store, but they do have a new app store. And uh, apparently it's going to be easier to find stuff in the app store. Good luck. Okay. Uh, an integrated control panel, which is always going to... Uh, I mean, that's something that I wanted. The first day I set eyes on Windows 8, was two control panels, really? Why do I need that? Yeah, yeah. Well, in, in, Or you go to control panel, you always hop into desktop mode, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, new IE, Internet Explorer 11, which has some new features, of course, with the you know, better, faster kind of thing that we always get. You have th- things like tab syncing between devices. Yeah, and I find that useful because often I'll somebody will send me a link to something, say, on my phone or on a smaller device, and I don't actually want to read it there. So the fact that I can go to my desktop machine and be there would be cool. 
Very cool. Also, possible WebGL support in the browser. They've hinted at this, but it uh, means you can play like some serious games in the browser. What do you think of that? I mean, that would just improve the efficiency of rendering. So, yeah, it makes it... I mean, there are already some games. You know, the As it is, I, as of IE9, they were using the GPU to do rendering in the browser window. So, it's just going further. Just going a little further, right. Okay. Um, saving files directly to SkyDrive. That's kind of a new feature. And some offline SkyDrive stuff as well, which I'm not sure what that looks like. But I guess if you pulled stuff down from SkyDrive, it will be there the next time you uh, you are offline. I think I think that's what... You, did you hear anything more about that? No, I didn't hear All right. Well, anyway, then there's some business features. And this is the stuff that we've been talking... We were talking about with Mary Jo and uh, Leah Laporte the other day. Uh, NFC tap-to-pair printing. So, you know, you're near the printer, you tap the printer, and now you can print. Instant. Well, it tells it what driver to download, and it does the driver installation and so forth. And that's convenient. You don't have to pay, you don't have to read the model number off of the printer, which sometimes is a pain, and then try and find the right driver. Yeah, and then usually you're surfing to a website and navigating a browser. Okay, okay. Uh, Wi-Fi direct printing. That's pretty cool. Uh, native Miracast wireless display. I don't know what that is. So it's the holy grail of the whole, I want to get on that projector without having to run a cable, match my HDMI connectors, all this sort of thing. Wireless projection. Really? So that's something I did not know. Wow. And they've been, I mean, we've been promised that for a while. It just doesn't actually work. So hopefully this time it works. Is it RF? Uh, no, it's it's in the Wi-Fi band. Oh, all right. Well, that's interesting. That, that should prove to be good. Uh, broadband tethering, always good. Auto-triggered VPN, and also better biometric login support. So they're going to be supporting fingerprint readers in a more robust way than they are now. Um, there was a, a... It's unclear if secure folders made it. Um, there was a news story that came out where somebody said on stage that uh, a tech ad, I think, that we're going to have secure folders. In other words, this folder is only accessible if you can swipe your finger and be authenticated to a Windows account, which is what it'll do. But in particular, going the extra step and securing a folder, but then they retract it and say, no, that's not going to be in there. It might be one of the surprises. I hope it is because that's a good feature. Yeah, or maybe it gets pushed to 8.2 or something. Yeah, that's it. So anyway, tinyurl.com slash win81 so far. Know it, learn it, love it. That's what we know about what's going to happen next week. So, uh, Richard, who's talking to us? I grabbed a comment out of show 86, and that's the one that Bill, we did with Billy Hollis talking about design everywhere. Because Billy's, I mean, he's, we've known him a long time. He's a changed man. Like, he's just, he's sort of transformed. He was always into photography, but he takes photography way more seriously now. And he's just really focused on design. And not just UX design, which clearly I love his thinking on that, but design on everything. I, uh, before you read this, I got a story for you. So I was in the Frankfurt airport on a layover coming here and there was a machine from T-Mobile that said, charge your device right here for free. Great. And it was this big box looking thing with a bunch of lights down the, that looked like drawers. Okay. But with lights on them. And so you touch the thing and it says, select your brand of device and you select and I found Nokia. There it is. And then it said, select your phone. And it only listed three phones or maybe six phones on the screen. And then there was a back button. And then there was a cancel button. And your phone wasn't on the list. Yeah. No, how many phones does Nokia have? Hundreds. Yeah. So obviously, there's got to be more here. 
I watched people coming up to that thing and stand there and stare and stare. And I finally figured out you have to swipe down. You have to swipe up to scroll down. But here's the thing. There's no scroll bar indicator on the screen until you start scrolling. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, they, once you moved it, then there was an indicator that there's more. But at that particular moment, no cues that there was more. That's right. There was no cue as to how, what to do. And this is what I like about Windows 8 is because, you know, in that start screen, some of the stuff is cut off on the side and it's a clear indicator that, oh, there's more there. I can swipe to see it. But these were perfectly, you know, six tiles that perfectly filled the screen and with the buttons. And that was it. And you, you didn't see the scroll indicator. Interesting. Great UI failure. And they're wondering why more people aren't using this thing. Right, yeah, and so I, I took a video of myself going, hmm, you know, and I took video of other people watching, watching them just stand there, and, and they gave up, went away. Yeah, they would just walk away. Anyway, so read, read the comment here. Uh, this is a comment from Ken Ross, who says, Hi, Carl and Richard. Another fun and informative tablet show. I really enjoy these talks with Billy Hollis and hearing his well-considered take on specific technologies and the industry in general. Designed to often get shortchanged in the push to, quote, just add the feature, and just as often we see applications fail because the features are awkward, undiscovered, or just not compelling. Please continue to include people like Billy in your rotation to help remind us of how important design is and why it should be treated as a first-class citizen. Oh, and speaking of finely crafted products, I know your love of whiskey and your recent trip to Kentucky. So here's a few photos while of a trip that I took, and I've taken a peek at his photos. Uh, he went to Sazerac. He checked out Buffalo Trace and Eagle Rare and the Blanton's Factory. And that's all the spots we went when we were there as well. Uh, keep rocking the here and on ENR. And my personal thank you to Telerik for making it all possible. I've been a fan and a customer for several years and can't recommend them highly enough. And that's Ken Ross. Awesome. Well, we love Billy. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be a regular on the show until we stop doing it. Yep. It'll go on forever. And thanks for uh, for supporting us. And thanks to Telerik for supporting us as well. And Ken, a tablet show mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a tablet show mug, just write a comment on the website at thetabletshow.com. And with that, let me introduce our guest, Gil Clearin. Gil is a Microsoft Regional Director, uh, a Silverlight MVP, Pluralsight Trainer, and Telerik MVP. He lives in Belgium where he works as a .NET architect at Ordina. Gil has given many sessions, webcasts, and training on new as well as existing technologies such as Silverlight, ASP.NET, and WPF at conferences including TechEd, Tech Days, Dev Days, NDC Oslo, SQL Server Saturday, Switzerland, Silverlight Roadshow in Sweden, Telerik Roadshow UK. Uh, Gil has written two books, Silverlight 4, Data and Services Cookbook, and Silverlight 5, Data and Services Cookbook, and is author of many articles for magazines and websites. And you can find his blog at www.snowball.be and Twitter at Gil Clear. And that's G-I-L-L-C-L-E-E-R-E-N. That is so hard for Americans to pronounce. Clearen. Clearen. Yeah. The rolling R. Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> Thanks. Well, welcome to the show. Now, you were on a show a couple of years back when we did uh, some stories from NDC. Yeah. I think this was two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah. But now you have your own show. Spotlight's on you. Thank you. What have you been doing? Well, I've been doing a lot of Windows 8. So um, as you saw in the introduction, I I was a Silverlight MVP. I still am a Silverlight MVP. Yeah. I did lots of Silverlight development. 
Uh, I did uh, jump on the WPF bandwagon really early, so that was my first steps in the XAML world. Mm -hmm. And uh, when Microsoft introduced Silverlight, I immediately saw the benefits of the applications that I was doing at the time in uh, ASP.NET and how Silverlight could actually make it easier to develop them. And so this was about smart clients on the web kind of thing. Smart clients on the web, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm mostly a line of business application developer. Mm -hmm. I did that uh, lots in ASP.NET and also in WPF. But as soon as Microsoft introduced Silverlight, I noticed a lot of benefits that we could get out of it. So... Um, I, I only I, I made a quick move to to uh, to Silverlight, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, after the Silverlight demand, there's there's still a lot of demand for Silverlight projects uh, because people always think that Silverlight is dead, and it's it's really not dead. Right. But I but I made the move very early to Windows 8 because yeah, my knowledge was there on XAML. Most sure. of the things I already knew, I could simply apply them on on Windows 8 development. Yeah, we talked about this way back at the beginning of Win 8, where we said, you know. The closest thing to a Win 8 developer seems to be a Silverlight developer. A Silverlight developer, that's absolutely correct. A Windows Phone developer, a Silverlight developer, a WPF developer, uh, of course, yeah. as well. Call yourself a XAML developer. I yeah. call myself now a XAML developer, yeah. And I, yeah, that's, that's what I'm, what I'm doing. I'm doing XAML technologies. I'm doing Windows Phone. I'm doing, I'm still doing Silverlight projects from now and then. I'm doing so main, uh, maintenance on Silverlight stuff. So, so what do you like about Windows 8 or WinRT XAML versus, uh, WPF XAML? Um, what I like about it more, well, that it's the same. That everything that I've that I've learned before, that I've spent many hours on on on, on you learning, mean sort of syntactically the syntactically same. Syntactically, because you know, a lot of the, the objects are different. Yeah, but, it, yeah. yeah, that's that's true. But the the concepts that I that I've learned, data binding, MVVM, which is mm. of course my my cup of tea uh, really now, is sure. that I've learned in other technologies. That I've I've learned to apply and I've built architectures around in Silverlight. Mm -hmm. Well, I can and more or less take that with me, and that's why I had no no problems moving to to Windows 8. Of yeah. course, there's there's new stuff. There's of course sure. new stuff, and 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 you have to think about how you integrate those new things in in an architecture for Windows 8 applications. But in general, the concepts that you know and and the, the language that you know, yeah. if, you, if you do it in C sharp and and XAML, well, that's practically the same thing. Tell us about some of the apps you've written, and you know what what in particular is cool yeah. or challenging about them. Well. I've, we've, we've just, with, with my company, Ordina, we've just released a, a, a large uh, application for Belgian telco. It's called a Yellow TV. And as the word says it, it's a television application. So you can watch live TV on it. You can look at a TV guide for all channels. Wow. Um, it's actually a very big application. It took us uh, quite some time to build it, but it's really happy with the result. So it's, it's really a, a media application. It's, it mm. contains, uh, you can watch all kinds of live television. So all, almost all channels that are available, uh, on the cable are available on the application as well. Um, you can, of course, those are DRM protected streams. So we have to build right. lots of code to get that DRM to work correctly in Windows 8, including certificates and stuff. Yeah, that's tough. Um, that's tough. That was one of the things that Silverlight, I think, to this day still has a strength is that there yeah. was a pretty good set of absolutely. DRM yeah, media control. Absolutely. Yeah. And in, in terms of, of, of porting that from Silverlight, I had never really, 
I have done some 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 media applications in Windows 8, mm-hmm. um, but in terms of DRM, it is different. Right, it is different. Yeah, the, uh, Windows 8 has its specifics, and you have to do certificates and stuff. So it's different from Windows 8 application. It's different from the Silverlight version. Yeah, of compared DRM. to Silverlight, it's, okay. it's different. Yeah. So you weren't able to take the Silverlight stuff you'd already done uh, and move no, it over. No, no, you had to write it, it all new. It was also for a completely different customer that right. we've we've done it in Silverlight. So it also depends on how they implemented on the server side. Sure. So right. we we had to build it from scratch. Yeah. It is still early days with Win 8. This is kind of a very specialized thing. And it's a very special thing. You may be the guy breaking the ground here. Yeah, I think so. And certainly in, in, in Belgium, it's the first uh, app that, that does all the media, uh, all the live streaming of, of TV channels. I think in the U.S. there might be some like, like NBC and stuff. They they may have their own apps. But in terms of a, of a real telco, mm-hmm. I talked with uh, Laurent Bouknion yesterday. And he, he also didn't know about uh, real live streaming TV apps yet. So it's indeed... Pretty, pretty early on. Pretty early and what on. is the DRM part of this? I mean, if you're just streaming video, mm-hmm. what do you need to protect? Uh, that people actually are not able to read out what is going on, but I can't really discuss that because that is, of course, part of the NDA stuff which with producers of, stuff, of, of so media. Yeah. The live streaming, are you leveraging Azure media services or and what are you doing in the back end? Uh, the back end is actually made by uh, by Telenet, so the, oh, okay. the, the creator of the application, so oh, the company right. for which we created it. Um, it's actually, they have back end that is now doing smooth streaming to, uh, so that we can actually nice. uh, get in those streams. It's all smooth streaming that's so coming in. And that, I, I know, I think we've talked about smooth streaming before, but it, so you do actually encode in like four or five different formats yeah. and it just hops between them based on how much bandwidth is yeah, available. Yeah, that's how they do it. But that's the server side. They've implemented the server side. It's the Microsoft them. stack on the server? Yeah, it's the Microsoft okay. stack on the server. Yeah. The smooth streaming is a sort of a, General term, but it's also specific to Microsoft. It's a specific yeah. one, yeah, because they they already had apps for uh, iOS and for Android, and so um, next to that they've now uh, installed a smooth streaming service so that we can actually get the smooth streaming streams in. So. And so the DRM part of the equation is just having the right to get access to that the, those streams. Yeah, among others. Yeah. Right. Uh, Are you doing like geofencing or anything like that? Because geofencing, uh, geofencing is actually done on the server side. So what is geofencing? So geofencing is basically um, so if I use my my Telenet uh, account here in Norway, I will not be able to access um, the streams because of the fact that they detected I'm coming in from an IP which is not in Belgium. Oh, okay. So it's uh, it's authentication or, or authorization based on your location. Yeah, it's actually yeah. a location based check if you're yeah. in a country that yeah, basically this application only allows you to stream uh, the media if you're in Belgium. So uh, that's but and, that's done the on point, the server and side. And the point being that the television company in Belgium only owns the rights to broadcast in Belgium. So yes. this is not them trying to deny you because you're in Norway. It's that they don't, aren't, aren't allowed to broadcast into Norway. Uh, yeah. They, they they have the rights to, to distribute the streams from, from the Belgian broadcast right. channels and also from, of course, BBC and other, right. other broadcasters. But they've only brought those rights for those foreign broadcasts yeah. in, for, within Belgium. From within Belgium. So yeah, yeah. are you using the standard XAML media element for most of this stuff uh, or do no. you have your own controls? Uh, it's actually Windows 8, just like Silverlight had, because that's actually an evolution of that. And you also have that for Windows Phone. It's called uh, the, me- the Player Framework from Microsoft. Okay. It's uh, actually a project they host on uh, NuGet, yeah. which um, is built around the media That's, element. That's uh, Scott Stanfield's stuff. Vertigo Software did the first version I of that, so, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Player and it's, a, it's like a wrapper, a huge wrapper around uh, the Right, but it has element. all the great 
Yeah. yeah, it has a support ons. built in for doing the DRM, for doing the smooth streaming yeah. stuff, um, and and it's based around that because if you yeah. have to build that yourself, it's going to take you quite some time. So There's they do have an MPF for uh, for Windows eight. That's Sorry? very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have they have it for uh, for Windows eight. Um, the one for Windows Phone, as far as I've looked into, is not yet available for Windows eight. Uh, mm. For Windows Phone eight, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. um, the one for Windows Phone eight is is. The, the, sorry, the one for Windows Phone Seven actually still works in Windows Phone Eight, so you can can also use it in Windows uh, Phone Eight. This portion of the Tablet Show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than thirty free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free, free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the tablet show. So what was the biggest challenge in writing this app? Well, in terms of, of, of starting with the app, so we started pretty early, uh, so quite some months ago right. and i think in the beginning the biggest challenge was was um talking with the people who had to do the ux mm-hmm. and and there were people that did ios development and and android development not not real development but design mm-hmm. and and getting those people to to the metro or the modern uh, modern ui design mm-hmm. language that was in my opinion one of the first challenges uh, i had to take because those people really were thinking in in uh, in android terms and in in ios terms what does that what, can you expand expand on that maybe what does that mean thinking in android terms or ios terms well the the way that that they for example do navigation the way that they that they build up their screens Mm-hmm. So in, in, in Windows 8, for example, you typically have lots of content on the screen. Yeah. And it's content before Chrome principle. Right, and right. that's something that you don't have in other, in other operating systems. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's something that one of, that's one of the principles that they had to get their head around that you do navigation by showing an image instead of, uh, showing a button that says click here to go to another page. Right. Those are the things that, and, and, and also integrating things like the application bar, um, the, the back navigation. So also sure. the navigation in general, the, the hierarchy, right. uh, for the navigation. Those are the things that, that I the side scrolling, side scrolling, yeah. yeah, the, the fact that you could do semantics, do semantic zoom on stuff. Sure. Those are the things that, that it's, it's, a, it was a new thing at the time. So for, you're for using designers. semantic zoom? Uh, we're actually using semantic zoom. And yeah. tell me how what, what's the feature? Where does that fit in the app? Well, um, when you open the application, you have uh, a quite long list of things that you see. We call that the hub view of the application, okay. and that shows a uh, number of types of tiles. So mm-hmm. the first block of tiles is, uh, I think, it's the, the the channels that are currently 
broadcasting live that you can actually directly go from there and tap on one of the tiles that takes you to the player. Huh. The second block is uh, upcoming uh, interesting programs on TV. Then you have a list of channels. And then you can also uh, view stuff that, that, that is on your... Um, Check what what is on your digi digi box at home. So that's sure. your your yeah. uh, your box on at home, and and so that's quite a long list. And we actually added semantic zoom that you can automatically go to one of the blocks that you're mostly interested in. Got it. And we also added the feature that you could reorder these blocks. So that mm. uh, you, for example, say, well, I always go to, uh, I always use the application by uh, going to a channel, for example. So you put yeah. the channels uh, in the front, and that's why the semantic zoom is there to um, automatically go to. To something that is quite far away, but semantic zoom allows you to do easier navigation there. Huh. It's really, I mean, it's interesting to use those new metaphors because I guess for them, Apple and uh, Apple and, and Android UIs are very similar. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the Win Eight approach is just so I, different. I do think that in terms of of design, what Microsoft did with modern UI, they did something that is not only design; it's it's more UX, and yeah, they sure. really describe the language to build applications, and that is something that the designer in the beginning wasn't used to having. It's it's a way of working. It's not only a way of designing, but it's a way of working and right. building up an application, and that's what's different. And it, so, did you end up being able to work with these designers to get them yeah. into the the metro yeah. language, yeah. as opposed as opposed to bringing in some metro designers? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, at that time, there weren't a lot of metro right. designers. Yeah, yet. So, <laughs> so, yeah, what we actually did is we we so I had been doing Windows Eight from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. I played with it uh, from the very very first build conference. I started with it, and um, yeah, after you, it's when a UX designer gets to know a language and gets to know a design language, they actually get their head around it, but it takes some time before they actually understand it. I guess my question then is, did they like it? Because that I got to think there's a real unique design language there. They're either going to love it or hate it. Uh, well, in the end, they liked it. Oh, wow. And they also liked the the way that Microsoft describes the language. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's not only design, it's, it's a design language, and it goes further in saying how you should... Uh, do this particular problem and that particular problem. And it's interesting that you sort of see those Metro design principles creeping into, say, iOS 7. iOS 7, indeed. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think so. You see all kinds of jokes on the internet now. Facebook is full of iOS jokes at this point. But yeah. there's a there's a ground of truth in them. That's, but it's you know, totally look, Microsoft was very quick to say what they liked about the iPhone and about the design Absolutely. and everything. So, you know, this is the way it works. And I find that good because now people start copying Microsoft, which is a good thing because that means that it's actually proving itself. Although iOS 7 doesn't have anything like a live tile. Like they didn't, doesn't have that. They didn't pick up that metaphor. And, I'm, and I wonder if that's intentional. I wonder that too. Yeah. Because I, I, yeah, there's a lot of bad live tiles. There are bad live tiles, but I do think that live tiles for the application that we wrote, for example, they have their, their use because what we allow is, uh, what we use the live tiles for is actually sending um, in the live tile what is going to be the upcoming uh, broadcasts. Right. So and maybe actually, what's on right now, right? And what's on right now, we can actually do that. Yeah, yeah. It's great. It's it's actually useful for this application. And I think for many applications. For many like, applications. For many yeah, apps, it's, it's useful. There are apps that, that use it when they shouldn't be using it, but I think that... Well, and the other thing, I think it's really interesting from a design perspective to consider, when you get a couple of dozen of those tiles all together on a screen, it's like a pile of five-year-olds going, oh, click me, click me, click me. Like, it's 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 a little frantic. Yeah, but if you're a Mac user, you're used to that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the jumping stuff at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true, but... That's why I say if you, if you use it like you should use it and where you should be using it for, I think it can really be useful. And it's, of course, 
the end goal remains that the user can customize it the way he wants to. Yes. So if the user finds it too frantic, then he has to move stuff away from, turn from the off. start yeah. screen, turn it off for specific applications. And yeah, the some apps still I've gone in, control. they have little settings. That's like, here's the things we can put on your live tile. Which yeah. would you like? Yeah. How quickly you like it to change and yeah. so forth? So I can calm my machine down. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You can disable it per app. We should be able to disable it per app and that simply puts the play, the, the user in, in the first position and that's how it should be. I mean, I like, I like live tiles and I like the idea of live tiles. Mm-hmm. I'm just surprised that that hasn't caught on everywhere. Yeah. I th- yeah, that's true. I, I, I was also expecting something to be, uh, something similar to lifestyles to be in iOS 7. Mm-hmm. Apparently they, they skipped on that still. So yeah. And maybe it comes later. They didn't have time or maybe they just don't like it. I'm, maybe I'm not they don't sure like how it. I feel about there that. There might be a reasoning behind that. Of course, yeah. Is there a patent behind lifestyles? I don't know. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the issue. No, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Interesting question. <laughs> how far can we go into this television app? I mean, it, in the end, it's about viewing television. So you have a subscription to this service in, in Belgium. Yeah, so it's basically you have your cable subscription mm-hmm. and then you get access to using the apps as well. Right. So now you can have it on your tablet wherever you yeah. want to go. And there is an Android version and an iOS version as well Indeed. as a new yeah. Win8 version. Yeah. It's interesting. And you've been following the news of the cable companies in the in the States have been sort of not happy about people using uh, their online apps like HBO, for example. You know, sort of losing a lot of money to to people who are downloading and watching stuff on of the course. web versus the cable. It's a different thing than HBO. HBO is is like a channel, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah. And the company that we build it for is is a broadcaster of. Yeah. Is it? It's basically a telco that that like a metrocast kind of thing. Yeah. So they they have all channels in their portfolio. Right. They're paying all of those yeah. different broadcasters yeah. so yeah. That they can show in Belgium. Yeah. But, but the point is that they're not being paid as much for online stuff as they are for cable. I assume not. But what you if you're watching live television, you cannot skip the ads because it's it's in there. Right. So. I I do think in terms of revenue, it's more or less the same. It's just someone that's watching television for them. Well, I, I, I mean, I get the idea. Like HBO can't charge as much for ads and things if you go directly to the HBO site. Yes. So rather than do that, if the various broadcasters are also providing a way to get to tablets, now HBO doesn't need to put that site up to provide that services. It, they're getting paid the same. You know, yeah, yeah. It's a, go, because they're going through the broadcast. Yeah. Well, you guys Indeed. are talking. I'm going to look that up because I want to make sure that I know what I'm talking about here. You were absolutely right, buddy. Well, yeah, I think that there's there is definitely an outcry about uh, about online stuff. They thought it would be a good idea, and then a lot of them are pulling back. Did you, did you understand the point I just made? There? Oh, sure. Right. This is this is a good solution to it. Is to keep using for from HBO's perspective. I don't know if it's a good solution for our perspective. Mm-hmm. It's. The, from HBO's perspective, let me stop giving away for cheap online. I'll go through my different, my usual buyers of the product, and they're just is adding in tablet support on top of the existing yeah. bill that they're already charging. Do they charge extra for the tablet service? Uh, no. Okay, no. so it's just an added it's, benefit. It's an added benefit for for the people who are already a subscriber to. I guess they have the more tablet. control than you know through like a Hulu Sorry? or something. Well, I guess they have more control in the tablet app over ads and things like that than at, at Hulu. That, but still, you know, like Hulu, for example, mm-hmm. you still have to watch the ads. I mean, yeah. you can but always pause the whole thing and go away, but when you come back, you have to continue watching. But Hulu ads. is different. It's 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 a service that you pay for, and they use stuff from. I think from it, that's stuff, uh, stuff like HBO and, 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 and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, this is still live television and the live television contains the ads and people are watching live television right, on yeah. the, on the tablet. Huh? So yeah. That is revenue. Different. It's, it's different. That is different than going to watch a show that's been recorded yeah, already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So no DVR features here at all. This is only the live stream for what, channel. What is DVR? Do, like digital video recording. Recording. No. So what you can do at home, you have your your setup box right uh, next to your television, and on that you can uh, record your your the shows that you want to see. Right. And uh, you can also from the application say, I want to uh, ha- I want to have my setup box at home to record that show. That's possible. Right. You can manage your and then recordings. Can you from the tablet, watch the show that's no. recorded from that box? Okay. So the only thing the tablet can do is control the box control and the watch box. the live streams. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. And yeah. it's all the channels available. It's all channels. It's quite a lot of channels that are in that are It in also there. means we're counting on some pretty stable bandwidth, too. I mean, that's yeah. got to be challenging. Well, just yesterday, I think, it was uh, there was a report of the European government that Belgium and the Netherlands are have the highest broadband penetration of nice. Europe. We are at sixty uh, percent uh, broadband, I and you think. are small country. We're a small country. The wires are... don't have to be that long. No, probably that <laughs> might that might be the thing. That might be the thing. But I at home, I have a, a one hundred twenty megabit line, so that's that that goes nice. really really good. And nice. I live in a small city, and basically everywhere you go, you can get that kind of speed. Uh, we have uh, cable everywhere, so in terms of of broadband, we are we're pretty good. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty exciting. It's just, but it's just interesting to think. This is about live streaming yep. all the time. Live streaming um, all the, the time. Yep. And I guess typically it's got to be the tablet in the home. Like, I guess it's got to be. Uh, what's the in, normal use case here? I think in the home, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when uh, maybe when your wife is watching a movie and you want to watch uh, some sports or something or vice versa. I don't know. I so don't watch sports. So uh, Speaking of sports and things, you know. Don't speak about sports. With okay. Me. But, but um, <laughs> let's talk just about the content. Usually it's in very clear, high definition yeah. on a cable television. Yeah. yeah. What's the quality? It's also, uh, it's not full HD, but it's, uh, I think it's 720p that we okay. do now. Yeah. And then you said it was smooth streaming, so it must fall back to 480. Yeah, it falls back. Yeah. If you see it going here, I was trying it here. Right. Uh, and yeah, it's actually. Because yeah. it's been my contention that, uh, if it weren't for sports, mm-hmm. the cable companies would be out of business. Because I really think eventually, Could I be. mean, not now, but. We're so moving away from cable TV. That is true. That is true. Yeah. Netflix is, is probably going to be introduced in Belgium later this year. There's yeah. rumors about it that they're coming to the Netherlands, I think, in September. But I, I think that Yellow TV would be terrified of that. <laughs> Could be, yeah. yeah. It's, it's going mean, to be. It makes sense. Thank goodness they have this product now. They have, they have but they offer. also have a, a big penet- penetration in, in the home because the setup boxes are are in there yeah. and and so netflix is of course a new player in the market so yeah. it's, it's a different market and and belgians are very conservative yes they have this they will probably not move away from that well so they fast. also recognize like, we're the anomalies we're the high-tech people that that have access to a lot more stuff True. we're looking the average mortal person they may own a tablet but they're not they haven't figured out BitTorrent. They haven't done any no, of those things. No, that's, that's it. So that's, that's why I also think that uh, even though Netflix will be introduced at some point, it's it it's going to have success, but it, it might be a bit, young, uh, bit yes. younger. And the adoption the, rate takes yeah. some time. It, and yeah. they have to have, you know, we've got when we got Netflix into Canada, it's not the same list of shows, right? No. They have to negotiate licenses to negotiate, for yeah. every show in that country. And so there was stuff available in the U.S. Netflix is still not available in the Canadian Netflix. That's true. I'm and, sure you guys all have the same problem. I, I assume so because Europe is gets all this stuff a lot later than, sure. than the U.S. And, and, and Canada, I assume so. But also here in, in Norway, for example, um, what they do here a lot of when, when uh, with Netflix, I, when I'm on the bus in the morning, you see people watching a television show on their mobile phone with right. Netflix. And that is something that I don't see happening in Belgium yet. Uh, no, certainly not because the, the, the we have good three G and four G coverage getting that is, is is coming now. But 
I don't think that that will happen very soon because Belgians are very conservative in sure. what they use and they will still use their television to watch television. And maybe the tablet is coming in as a secondary device, but I don't see them walking on the street and, and using their phone to watch the no. next episode. Of and and we know because we're all tech people that it's all just data. Yeah. And in theory, they should all just be coming over a data stream. The fact that we have separate cable and separate telephone as well as our internet is silly. It all should be one big fat pipe and everything works across it. Yeah. But that then means that, you know, a cable company becomes an ISP and just a sort of commodity product. Give me your best price per gigabyte for bandwidth. And right. that's all I care about. That's correct. They don't want to go there, I don't think. No, it's because they're not a utility. Point. Yeah, but uh, so the, the 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 special thing about uh, so Telenet, so the, mm-hmm. the provider, it's also a provider and a cable company. Right. So they're basically an well, all-in-one. Well, you have noticed mo- for the most part, all cable companies now have gotten into the pro- the, the bandwidth providing business, yeah. which I think is a hedge. It's just that once you are own, once you have no value add, you're just the pipe. Yeah. Then it's only the price that matters, yeah, and, you, and it's a race to the bottom. Everybody's trying to constantly differentiate itself. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think to our benefit either. Like, ultimately, it's in the customer's best interest to get to this point. They, they're keeping the market confused because it's profitable. That's or, true. You know, I've seen this before is that the it's a race to the bottom. You're right because customers don't ask, you know, what's the quality of this bandwidth mm-hmm. when I buy it? They just want to know what their monthly bill is going to be. Yeah. And so if the cable company, you know, or the ISP can sort of, Fool them into thinking that they're actually, you know, getting a good product, you know, because Absolutely. that when the, when it's highest they crank up demand, when it's lowest, you know, they they throttle it back or whatever. Uh, the best I could get from in New London, and I'm a thousand feet from the central office, okay. right, the AT and T central office with AT and T UStream. Is it UStream? Well, no, not UStream. Uverse, yeah, AT and T Uverse. The best I get for upload speed. Mm-hmm. Thousand feet from the CO, half a megabit. That's that's half horrible. a megabit. Yeah, that's up. that's really slow. And that's like their big digital, you know, thing. So the cable company actually offers me the best bandwidth of yeah. all of the different options that I have. And that's only three megabits. But, so this is welcome yeah, to America. Yeah, right? but that's yeah. that's what I'm saying in Belgium and and in many European countries, the speeds that you get are much higher. Much higher. Yeah, much and higher. it's and it's like you know, fifty megabits down, fifty megabits up. That's not in Belgium, but that's in many other countries. That's yeah. that's the case. But in Belgium Sweden, is that's the case. Yeah, in Sweden and yeah. in, and here in Norway, that's that's certainly the case. But mm. the ups, upload speed in Belgium, they're still uh, the upload speeds are much lower than the download speeds, yeah. but they're still pretty good. I think I have like ten megabit upload or something. I don't know. I think maybe the concern is you know people you know setting up BitTorrent sites, servers, and, and, yeah, yeah, servers, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. That's the, and that's they the want to charge Armour They want to charge that. on that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, and there's filter for all those things as well. But I, I think the bigger thing here is just this idea that they, you've got to be a value-add provider if you're going to charge those premium rates. I mean, Absolutely. You've got to think the cable service isn't that inexpensive. It's fairly pricey. But they're well, going to throw yeah. in tablet support on yeah. top of that. In in terms of pricing, um, Belgium is like, isn't isn't very very cheap. Right. They're pretty expensive, but the, 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 the quality you get is pretty good. Yeah. So I, I'm often in the UK, and the prices there are much lower. Mm-hmm. But if you compare what what people are getting for the same price, it's they get like a 30 megabits line. Right. We get at least four or five times the same speed. Yeah. And well, and we can get that speed sustained. So also the ISP, yeah, it's sustained. That's it. That's you know, it. The, the numbers that they give you yeah. is the maximum number, yeah, not the minimum absolutely. number. Yeah. So they never give you the minimum. I, I, I at my home, I get the maximum out of my line, and I I'm living in, in the middle of a city, small city, but there's many people in the same street using the same connections. Yeah. And, but we have fiber 
uh, in the street. So in mes- me- quite a few streets, it's fire. So that yeah. also helps a lot. It does make a difference. And I just wonder at some point these guys are going to stop. You know, We're going to completely disrupt the television model. Right, this whole idea that HBO sells this service into Belgium that way, you yeah. know, does it actually make sense long term? And and that's why the prices are so high. You have you're going to have this disintermediation. Everyone you, needs to get a piece of the cake. Well, that's what we're doing right now, and you know, yeah. the same way that that the travel agent has largely been crushed by the Indeed. online travel Absolutely. site. Yeah. You know, if if HBO pushes hard and and deals with that reduction in billing to increase their reach. They can step away from those carriers entirely, and it, it disrupts that whole model. And, yeah, and that's also what I think that Netflix will ultimately do. That's, well, Netflix is now getting into the production business. They're becoming yeah. a new HBO. Yeah, yeah indeed. So, yeah. you know, the, the threats are all there. You've got to redesign your business to deal with actually providing real and it's value. Also, it's also very important that they keep their prices low, because otherwise people will download it illegally. Yep. Or if, and, and they let's face it, the border restriction thing mm-hmm. is stupid. It's that's archaic, yeah. and and people are simply circumventing it. Yeah, and that's what, I, for example, with the PlayStation Four, you now see that it's going to be region free. I think that they finally got yeah, that that people don't want to be want to be fooled in in not playing games or playing games many many months later than than people in the US or in other countries. Yeah, or and same with movies and television yeah, shows and, and so it. forth. We get like I don't follow a lot of television, but we get like television shows six to twelve months later than, yeah. than when they're broadcast in the US. So people download them. Right, that's what people do. And I've seen this. Gra- I was just reading this great study that showed that many of the biggest fans of shows pirate the show and then buy the DVD set. Of course, because right. people want to see it. They when want it's to out. see it as soon as they, they can see. They it. They read on Twitter what's going on, so they want to see it. Yeah, that's what happens. And if you're going to you stop them, then they're going to go around you. Of course, right. And it's not that they don't want to support the show. When they can buy the product, they will. But if you stop them from buying the product, they will go around. Same with movies. Yeah, I totally agree. That's that's the case. So people people see on on, on Twitter and on, on the internet what's going on in episodes so many of of that show. So they 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 want to see that because they're curious because they want to follow the yeah. show. And if they get the DVDs 12 months later, yeah, they will buy them because they want to keep them for later. Yeah, but, they are collectors. They are collectors, they absolutely. But, but it seems that, that many broadcast, uh, that many companies don't understand that. And they will eventually have to do that because otherwise they, they, they're bankrupting themselves. So, Gil, what's next? What are you going to be working on in the near future? More um, of this? More well, Yellow TV? Uh, yeah, that application is, is for me, it's, that's finished. So I hope to move on to other uh, interesting Windows 8 uh, projects and maybe yeah. Windows Phone 8 applications. So I still want to do my, my XAML stuff. So. And, and media plays a big part in that? Uh, well, no, that's, that's, yeah, sometimes the, if that comes along, that's, that's interesting to build, but right. I'm, I'm still, I'm still a consultant, so that's line of business applications most of the time, but things like these are always interesting to build because sure. it gives you insight in, in a whole different world. Absolutely. Kiel, thanks very much. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and we'll see you next time on The Tablet Show. It's not too much.